Hello and welcome. You are listening to Resiliency, a podcast that takes an inside look at enhancing the vitality and resilience of field workers. From experts in member care to frontline field workers, our guests will bring you their experience, their lessons learned, and always something practical you can take away and use to increase your resiliency in cross-cultural life and ministry. Co-hosts Silas West and Steve Finley are just one part of an ever-growing and strengthening net of member care in the Antioch movement. They want to see Matthew 24, 14 happen and do everything they can to help field workers have the kind of resilience that enables them to make it for the long haul. Well, Kyle, we're really grateful to have you on the podcast today. So welcome to Resiliency. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad to be here. Yeah. And there's so many things I could say about you, but why don't you just launch us off, tell us who you are and a little bit about what you do and where maybe where you live as much as you can say. Great. Yeah. My name is Kyle and I live in Southeast Asia um, for security reasons. That's all I'll say, but um, I am a licensed marriage and family therapist by trade. Um, I work uh, for Antioch and I do member care um, in in the region I'm in and also do counseling um, for people on the field. And I'm married and have three boys. So uh, a 16-year-old, a 14-year-old, and a 12-year-old. So we're, we're busy with, with raising teenage, almost all teenage boys. Wow. Well, I wanted to say you, you mentioned your wife. You mentioned your three sons. Uh, also heard that you have a couple of other little furry friends in your house. What are their names, Kyle? Uh, we do have two dogs, uh, Sam and Addie. And they are a brother and sister from the same litter. So um, they're three years old and um, lots of fun uh, can be a bit of a handful, but we have a good time with them. <laughs> okay. I think I heard you say in one of my one of our morning calls that they get you up pretty early in the morning. You know, they don't let you sleep in. Um, so especially on the weekend, uh, I'll hear them, you know, barking and would rather be sleeping in. But, you know, it's OK. It's what you do. It's kind of like having babies a little bit. But, you know, it works. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, you know, when Silas and I were um, just putting our thoughts together about guests for resiliency, we invited a guest or two who have talked to us about anxiety from, from a clinical uh, professional standpoint, but we've not yet had anybody to share with us about depression. And we felt like this is going to be a really important episode of resiliency. And you, Kyle, aren't only an expert as a clinician in dealing with depression, but you've had your own battle with it. So if you would, could you tell us a little bit about your own experience with depression? Yeah, sure. So this is a topic that is definitely on my heart. I'm, I'm thankful that we get to talk about it today. Um, so I did not ever experience depression growing up. That wasn't something I didn't have language for it, but I also didn't really experience it in, in any kind of prolonged way. Um, it wasn't until I was actually already married and in my late 20s that I had, I would say, my first kind of bout with depression. And I was on the field. I was in a, um, a really difficult uh, war-torn country. and um, But it wasn't just the circumstances. I mean, I think that's something we'll talk about on the, on the podcast today. It, it's a myriad of factors. Um, but I, I remember just this felt, uh, it definitely felt different remember just, uh, you know, not having a sense of uh, sometimes 
just hope and, um, and could feel just really sometimes even confused at times. Um, but what I was going to say was my, I have a history in my family. My, my grandfather was never diagnosed with depression. They didn't know much about it when he was, uh, you know, alive, but he, he, he suffered from it. Um, and then other family members that I'm aware of. So, Oftentimes, it doesn't always appear until later in life. It can appear in your 20s. And um, that's what happened for me um, when I was on the field. So, um, but thankfully, I mean, the great news is, is that it is something that's treatable. And, and that's something I hope that comes through today in this, in this talk. It's just that there, there is um, hope for you if you, if you suffer from it. Um, if it's, you know, whether it's family history or circumstantial or other different types of depression, it is definitely treatable. So, Kyle, on that note, are you alluding to like a genetic predisposition towards depression or more like environmental factors? Right. So it's the, the classic, is it nature or nurture? And, yeah, and well. my, my answer to that is always it's both. Um, I, I think that temperament plays into to uh, a person's struggle with depression. I think that family history, there is, there could be some genetic predisposition, I think for various things and depression could be one of those things, but then environment plays a factor for sure. Also your history, you know, like, did you go through trauma? Did you, did you, um, have you had different events that could potentially, um, affect that but so it, it's really not just one thing I, I believe it's it's myriad of things yeah well Kyle if it, you know you said earlier that it's highly treatable but uh-huh. if there's a, a genetic predisposition or a, a, a nature kind of a, a scenario going on there then uh-huh. is it really kind of hopeless Right. I, I don't believe it is. Um, so, uh, and thankfully in my life, I've found that is definitely not hopeless. You know, it's, it's, it's the opposite. We're all, we all are created with, <laughs> we're all given predispositions to certain things, you know, for some, it might be, uh, anxiety for some, it might be uh, a tendency to overeat for some, it might be something else. It's not really, um, you know, it's not one or the other, so to speak. It, it really, it is something that you can say, okay, this may be what I'm experiencing in my body or in, or in my emotions, but it doesn't mean it has to stay that way. It doesn't mean that I can't do things that will help alleviate some of those things. Um, and so I think that that's where education really helps is, um, and, and I think, you know, sometimes um, in Christian circles, we can maybe over-spiritualize and say, well, you just need to pray about it more or read the Bible more. And those are, of course, those are top on my list of things that I do uh, and things that I would encourage others to do that are struggling with depression. But I would also say there's, there's, um, that doesn't have to be the only thing you do. So I guess that was a long answer to your question, but, but I definitely think there's hope because of um, the things you can do, like counseling, taking medicine if needed, uh, exercise, and kind of getting into the weeds of, of some of the, the, the specifics you can do to help. But, um, but there's definitely things you can do to help. Yeah. I imagine you also have hope because you yourself experienced uh, being depressed and finding yourself on the other side. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've, uh, I've walked through different seasons of it and, uh, yeah, there is always another side. And, you know, for me, 
Um, it was never like I was in bed for weeks on end or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think that that's something that is helpful to know that it, you can be quite functional and be depressed. Um, and, and, uh, there's different levels of depression and, and I won't get into all the, the DSM five diagnoses of depression, major depressive disorder, et cetera. But, but there's, there's depression that is kind of debilitating. Um, and, and, and then there's depression that it's like, well, I'm still getting up and I'm still going to work and I'm still, you know, um, (laughs) getting dressed and taking care of myself, but there's kind of a low grade feeling of not feeling a sense of hope or, or feeling uh, other sense, uh, a sense of, you know, guilt or worthlessness or just different things. And so people don't always necessarily know if you're, if you're suffering from depression, but, but definitely knowing that, it's something you can, you can do something about is a hope, hope filled and that God can meet you in those places. Um, definitely it gives me hope and it gives me lots of hope for people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you've mentioned the word hopeless and several other adjectives, and yet you've not yet said the word sadness. Just some people might be thinking, well, I, I find that I'm sad about some things and, or I find that I'm more sad than I usually am. I don't know. Talk to us a little bit about that whole thing of, you know, kind of having the blues or when do you start thinking, oh, might this be actually I'm depressed? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. So let's just talk about some common symptoms. And the thing is, is it's not always the same for everybody. So some things that might seem obvious, yes, feelings of sadness, that is a very common symptom of depression, but it is not the only symptom. And some people have depression, but don't actually have deep feelings of sadness. Um, For for some, it's more maybe a a feeling of of emptiness or kind of flatness. They don't feel anything, Um, a little bit feeling more numb. Uh, A lot of times in men in particular, there's irritability. So men men don't always experience a lot of uh, sadness or tearfulness, although that does happen in men, but, but sometimes it's more irritability. There's a lack of energy. Another one is trouble concentrating and making decisions. That was one that, that when I started learning about depression after having it in um, the country I was in, um, I realized, wow, I couldn't, it was so hard to concentrate. It was hard to make decisions. There was just so many signs that I didn't even notice Feelings of guilt, worthlessness, and helplessness. Definitely pessimism and hopelessness. Another thing to pay attention to is your body. Are you sleeping? Um, are you sleeping too much? Are you not able to sleep at night? Are you overeating or undereating? Those are usually some symptoms or, or common common signs. Loss of interest in things that used to be pleasurable. Um, you know, including sex. If you're married, if, if these are these are all things that can point to depression. And one person might have a handful of those and another person might have another, uh, some other symptoms, but, but um, usually there's a common, common thread of, of a kind of a sense of, of, of hopelessness. That's why I kept using that word, but mm-hmm. sadness for sure does, does play a factor and, and a role in it as well. Mm. So with, with hopelessness being a part of depression, and this is obviously a leading question because I'm a, I'm a clinician myself, but is depression a lack of faith in the goodness of God? Uh, is it even a, a spiritual issue? And many, I'm asking because many people 
uh, come to me feeling like it is. It's a, a failure of, of their faith. Right. Yeah, I don't think so. So, you know, that's something that I've talked to so many people who have, who have suffered from depression or even my own uh, struggles with it. And it's never been, for me, it's never been a lack of, uh, of faith in God's goodness. I know, I know he's good and I know that he loves me. And so really a lot of times it isn't even a spiritual issue uh, in the sense of me struggling with my relationship with God. Um, now, sometimes I don't feel his nearness or presence as much, but I mean, we all go through those, those periods and those seasons. Um, but what I would say it is more than that is a perspective issue. <laughs> and uh, it, it's like almost like a block sometimes in your ability to see things accurately. <laughs> um, and so when that happens, it becomes really challenging and it does affect, it does affect how you see, uh, how you see God, how you see yourself, how you see others. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a lack of faith. It doesn't mean that. Um, it doesn't mean that you aren't doing the things you know you know to do, like I mentioned before, prayer um, or reading the Bible or, you know. But there's more things that you can do. So, Well, Kyle, what are some of the factors that lead to depression, especially, I guess, for people on the field? Mm-hmm. I think um, one of the top factors would be isolation. We're many of us are working in very remote locations, don't have the the f- friends um, and the support system that we're used to having, and that can be very isolating. So I think that that is that is probably one of the biggest factors, and that was one of the biggest factors that led to to me experiencing depression. There's that sense that there's not anyone to talk to, even though that's not maybe accurate. Uh, it can feel that way. I think another factor is just people working in, in some of these settings, some of our settings are, are um, you know, they're just can be worn out physically. And I think when we're worn out physically, it can actually, um, it can, it, it does affect our emotions and our um, mental health. And so that's something to maybe be aware of is how much a person is, is pouring out in ministry. So those are, those are some factors as well as, you know, just knowing that, that there's a spiritual battle and when we're feeling isolated and we're feeling worn out, um, the enemy can come to just try to steal our, our, our sense of well-being and hope and, and joy. I'm, I'm curious, Kyle, because you've, you've done your, your profession, both stateside as well as on the field and spiritual warfare can happen anywhere. And it does happen anywhere. We experience it here in America as much as you guys do in Asia since you just mentioned it, you know, how, how often are you helping a client uh, deal with and kind of come out of depression? Not that you're the one who makes them come out or anything, but you're giving them handles and tools. How often uh, do you find yourself helping them to address, you know, the, the matter of spiritual warfare and the amount of pushback the enemy is, is giving them, the amount of him seeking to drag them down to limit their effectiveness? Right. Well, you know, I, I believe that we're a body, soul, and a spirit. And so I, am, I feel like we need to address all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely want to address spiritual 
issues. Um, but, but again, I think we, we live in a body, we have a soul. And so we have to address those as well. So I would, I would address it just like I would address how are they sleeping? How are they eating? Um, are they getting rest? Are they getting exercise? You know, how, how is their emotional health? Are they, are they journaling? Are they connecting with friends? Um, so anyway, I, I wouldn't discount it, but I would also look at the whole picture. Yeah. Kyle, you already kind of alluded to this a little bit when you talked about the high functionality for some people with depression, but it, it, let's say that there is someone who they, they have the symptoms, they're able to get done what they want to do. Why would they want to address their depression versus just pushing through and gutting it out? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I'm, I believe if there's something you can do to help a problem you're having, that it's, it's good to address you know, it's good to address it. Um, and what addressing it could look like is first start by talking to your, you know, your pastoral oversight, um, sharing, Hey, these are some things I'm experiencing. These are some, some things I'm feeling. What do I do with this? And, and then, uh, if that's still not helpful talking to, a a counselor, somebody who's professional and trained in how to recognize some of these signs and symptoms. So, you know, of course, there's always the option to push through. Um, One thing I found in my own depression, I mentioned that one of the symptoms of depression can be irritability. Um, And as I was struggling with that, the irritability increased with my family, with wife and kid, my wife and kids. And so I think that that's a reason that you would want to address it um, is the impact you're having on people around you that you may not even be aware that you're having because you're, you're actually walking in untreated depression. So those are reasons to address it. And I mean, obviously you want to feel better. (laughs) Um, And so um, knowing that talking to a counselor or doing some things, like I said, it doesn't, doesn't mean it doesn't necessarily mean you need to take medicine. Sometimes that is, that is the case, but, um, you know, increasing, um, other, other types of ways to, to help your mental health, such as, um, exercise, um, getting more rest. Um, these types of things are also ways you can, you can actually alleviate depression. Kyle, a major lack of motivation tends to accompany depression. How do you get, you know, how do you just uh, break that inertia? Mm -hmm. You know, that's a great point, Steve, because, yeah, some people really, they might hear this and and even feel more discouraged because they're thinking, thinking. there's there's no way I could do that right now. And that's why I think talking about this subject on a podcast like this is so helpful because my hope is that this is going to be heard by people, not just that are suffering from depression, but by friends and loved ones. And so as friends and loved ones, if we can begin to look at and see some of the signs, it is important to know that they may, your loved one may really want to get out of this state, but they may not be able to right now. And they may need some help from you to, to, you know, to, to walk them through this, uh, this process. So I I do want to speak hope to anybody listening who may be thinking, yeah, I am experiencing this, but I don't think I can do these things. You know, like I know, quote unquote, know the things to do, but I don't, uh, I don't have the energy or I don't have the motivation, uh, like you said, Steve. So, um, you know, that's where do what you can do. (laughs) You know, I think that that would be my, my, um, my piece of advice is don't, don't beat yourself up, but, you know, call a friend and let them know what's going on. Go for a walk, 
um, in the sun, if you can, you know, listen to some, some music, do take a simple step. Um, if you're feeling too overloaded and too overwhelmed and then for friends and family, um, be paying attention and, um, and, and look for ways to support your loved one by, or whoever, you know, team member, maybe, um, by saying, Hey, do you need a place to talk? Can we, can we talk? Or are you doing okay? I just want to, I want to, I want to listen. Um, making ourselves available in that way can be really helpful. Sometimes, sometimes we do well to hear somebody say, maybe the worst thing you could do right now is, and you know, one thing I heard you say is isolate. I mean, for the person who may be experiencing or is depressed, the wor- you know, worst thing they can do maybe is isolate. Is there anything else you would just kind of put in that? Hey guys, listen, you know, I like how you just now said, do what you can do, even if it's just stand up and walk outside and walk in the sunshine. Right. I mean, again, your perspective is really impaired uh, if you're going through a depressive uh, episode or, or a season of depression. So it sometimes if the things that you're feeling feel real, <laughs> that that's the best one of the best ways I can describe it is it feels real, even though you might know it's not, it feels real. And so I think anything you can do to break up that, that cycle, um, is, is really helpful. That's why, yeah. Reaching out to a friend that may be the hardest thing you do, (laughs) but, but that breaks up that cycle of isolation, um, going, yeah, going outside, um, you know, listening to music, uh, journaling, if you are able, um, these are, these are the kinds of things I would say uh, as far as what, yeah, what not to do. Um, I mean, it, yeah, I think the isolation one is big because if that is what you probably will feel like doing is not talking, um, is, is not being around people and it actually is the thing you, you need. Um, so I would, I would say that that's probably one of the biggest things you want to avoid. Yeah. We so need one another. That's great. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So a lot of treatment for depression is just is operating in the most counterintuitive way you you can at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I worked in a counseling center, and 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 a lot of times um, people would come in and and be in some kind of state of depression, and um, and that was exactly what we did. We would just try to come up with some really simple things that could help break up that, that sense of aloneness, um, and that sense of hopelessness. And, and sometimes that sense of being completely overwhelmed, um, when you're, when you're feeling completely overwhelmed, yeah, doing something super simple to everybody else who's feeling well, um, can really just feel like a heavy weight on your shoulders. So, um, definitely, um, just, just doing the next thing can be really helpful sometimes. So Kyle, let's, you, you've mentioned medication a couple of times. Let's just talk about it for a minute. I receive a, a lot of questions in my own practice about the value and the efficacy of using medicine, even getting asked if it's a, a lack of faith or, or laziness to resort to meds. What can you tell us about the use of medication in treating depression? Well, I look at depression as a, as a medical problem. Um, not entirely, uh, but I do, there is a lack of serotonin in the brain often with depression when it, when it's, when it's persistent and ongoing, I'm not talking about, uh, about of the blues, um, cause we all go through those, but if it's persistent and ongoing, then I think it's, it, it makes sense to look at it from a medical angle. Um, so 
I am, I, you know, I don't think every single person that has depression needs medication, but I also would never say to somebody who's suffering, don't take uh, something that's going to help alleviate that suffering. Just like I wouldn't tell somebody, you know, with high blood pressure, don't take your medicine uh, because that's a lack of faith. <laughs> I, I think we, we, we give a lot of, uh, you know, if somebody has a, a medical condition, we don't really think twice about them taking medicine. I mean, we still want to pray for them to be healed. Um, but, but similarly with, with depression or anxiety or other types of uh, conditions that your brain is being affected. Um, and there, there's some uh, lack of, uh, of, you know, whether it's serotonin or some, some other neurotransmitter. And so it's okay to look at it from a medical angle. Talk to a counselor. I would, you know, my encouragement would be start with talking to a counselor because counselors are trained to um, recognize these signs and they talk to so many people. I remember again, working at this counseling center at a college university and I could tell the kids who are just going through a rough patch. And then I could tell the kids I could, I could just see, um, okay, this is a little bit more than that. There's something going on uh, probably, uh, you know, from that, that medical standpoint or chemical imbalance um, standpoint. And so I would, you know, make a referral for them to go see a doctor. Um, and so that's the second thing I'd say after talking to a counselor and kind of letting them make some evaluation, uh, then, then speaking with a medical professional, um, it doesn't mean you have to take medicine and it doesn't mean that it's like a, this is a solution for the rest of your life, but it also could be a helpful piece in your recovery in your healing process. Um, if you need that for a season or if you need that even longer than a season, um, to feel, to feel like yourself, then, um, then I, then I think it's, it's definitely something that is all right. Hmm. Kyle, the, our audience are people who are, uh, they vary of course, but they're, um, people with, with a, a calling. They're people that are leaders. They're people who are pioneers. They're people who will take risks for, for the, the, the Lord and for, you know, the mission. Um, talk to us about, you know, Christian leaders, whom you have encountered who have struggled with depression. Is there any special, you know, word or counsel that you would have for, cause we got a lot of leaders listening to, to us talking today. Well, absolutely. And, and, and they're not all people that I've actually encountered, but as I've, you know, researched and learned more about depression, there's, there's people in Christian history who have, even though at that time it wasn't like they were clinically diagnosed uh, uh, so there's people, yeah, that, that in history that have, um, have suffered from depression. Um, you know, you look at, uh, Charles Spurgeon, uh, a famous, one of the best preachers of all time. And I don't think anybody could accuse him of a lack of faith or not reading the Bible enough. Um, uh, there's, uh, you know, more modern examples, mother Teresa, they, they've actually, you know, they've published some of her letters to her spiritual advisor and, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to say she was clinically depressed, but she went through seasons of, of, you know, real difficulty um, and, and uh, a sense of some of these, these symptoms that we've, we've discussed. Um, and so nobody's immune from depression. Um, David Brainerd is another one I think of um, from the, the 1700s. I mean, this man loved God with all of his heart, but he was, 
obviously suffering from some kind of, uh, you know, uh, whether it was a chemical imbalance in his brain. Um, we don't know all the, the factors, but, but he was, um, he was suffering from some depression or they called it melancholy. Um, and so if you look through, you know, you look through the past, there, there's been examples of it. There's examples of it in the Bible. I mean, Job, I would say, definitely went through seasons of depression. Um, Elijah at one point prayed to die. Um, mm. Jeremiah, you know, is the weeping prophet. <laughs> Others mm. might've looked at him and thought, okay, this guy's depressed. Um, so, so the reality is, is I think we need to take away some of that stigma of feeling ashamed and say, let's, uh, let's learn how to support each other. Let's learn how to, how to help each other um, in this journey. And yeah, definitely Christian leaders are not immune um, from, and I think in some ways more than ever, I mean, we, there's so many pressures um, in our modern world um, with just so many expectations on, on leaders, um, so many demands that, you know, at some point, you run out of you run out of uh, energy and um, and and you can be left depleted and that can leave you vulnerable um, to depression. So so those are just some things to keep in mind. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, uh, Kyle, what would be a win for our listeners to come away with for this interview? There's a lot of good information that you've shared and uh, love the way that you've shared from just a, a, the personal touch that you gave gave to it. But uh, in your opinion, because you've said a couple times this there's a lot of hope that you have for people who are listening to this. What would be the win? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think that people that are, that are dealing with depression would know that it isn't something that they just have to be resigned to. Um, so just know that it, it's okay. Do what you can. Um, if you're able to reach out for some help and know that there are things you can do, you can live uh, a normal life and you can, you can, you can, get back to feeling like yourself again. So I would want to give that, that piece of hope, um, as we said, as you said, and I also want to really, yeah, encourage our, our people listening who, um, have friends or loved ones, you know, I think it, it's that, you know, my encouragement would be to, just to not judge. And, and I think for all of us, we, we can, we can fall into that trap, but, um, you know, there's a reason God says in the Bible not to judge because we can't see the heart of another person. And so we don't know their whole story. We don't know, um, you know, their family history. There's just a lot we don't know. You can't always tell by appearances either how somebody's doing. So my, um, my encouragement would be to, um, you know, see people uh, through God's eyes and, um, and then look for ways to be supportive um, and look for ways to be, uh, you know, a friend um, and a safe place for people that might be dealing with a depression. It's so good, Kyle. We're yeah. so grateful for you, bud. We love you and we're so thankful for who you are and what you do mm-hmm. for people in our organization over in Asia and just, yeah, thank you so much. And we know that you carry with you not just a professional ability to help people through counseling, but you also just have an anointing from God. And we would love for you to pray a prayer of blessing and impartation over our listeners today for that hope that you just were talking about. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Lord, I I thank you so much that you are the God of hope. Lord, your word says that um, you're the God of hope. And so, Lord, I I speak that over anybody listening today. And uh, I pray uh, the verse that's been such an encouragement to me um, out of Romans 15. And it says, may the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him that you would overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Lord, that is my prayer that you would fill um, everybody listening with joy, with peace as they trust in you. They would overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray if anybody is, is dealing with depression Lord, that they would be able to recognize it and identify it and that they would be able to get the help, whether it's talking to a friend um, or, or incorporating exercise into their lives or, um, you know, some combination of things that could be helpful. Lord, I pray they'd get the help that they need and you would give them hope. And I pray also for those uh, people that are walking with um, maybe either a family member, a team member, or a friend that is dealing with depression, that they would recognize the symptoms and that they would be able to be um, someone who can come alongside and be a support and be um, a safe place for those people. God, I just pray a blessing on everyone listening. And it's in Jesus name I pray. Amen. 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 Thanks for taking that stigma off of this subject of depression, Kyle, today. Right. Taking some and just helping people to know there is no shame in, uh, in admitting they need help in this area. So. Right. Amen. Thank yep. you. Thanks All for right. having me today. Yep. God bless you. Bye-bye. Well, listeners, thanks again for tuning in. That does it for this episode of Resiliency. You can follow us on Instagram at Resiliency Podcast. And so for now, I'm Silas West, and thank you for listening to Resiliency. Resiliency.